The Black Death. Three words that struck terror into the heart of medieval Edinburgh. In a city characterised by its crowded, dirty, disease-riddled streets that line the length of the Royal Mile, the thousands of people who lived in this area stood little chance when the first outbreaks of the Black Death struck in the 1300s. The disease arrived in Edinburgh as part of the pandemic that swept through Europe in the 14th century. With Edinburgh's tightly packed and unsanitary conditions, it was a breeding ground for the plague. The disease was transmitted primarily through fleas that infested rats, and rats were abundant in the cramped streets and closes of the city. The impact of the Black Death on medieval Edinburgh was devastating. As the disease spread rapidly, residents were unable to escape its deathly grasp. The plague struck fear into the hearts of Edinburgh's inhabitants, rich or poor, who watched as their friends, family members and neighbours fell victim to its horrors. Estimates suggest that during the initial outbreak, around half of Edinburgh's population perished. The city streets, once bustling with life, became unnaturally silent as death stalked every corner. The Black Death was not a one-time tragedy for Edinburgh. Over the years, the city experienced multiple outbreaks of the plague, each with its own toll on the population. These later outbreaks continued to shape the city's history and left a legacy of fear and superstition that still lingers today. In a desperate attempt to contain the disease, authorities imposed quarantine measures Infected individuals and their families were often confined to their homes, with the doors marked with the ominous sign of a painted black cross. Entire sections of the city were effectively sealed off to prevent further spread, and the sense of isolation and fear within these quarantined areas left an indelible mark on the city's history, and many believe it contributed to the enduring tales of hauntings. The Black Death was a dark chapter in the history of medieval Edinburgh, and its impact on the city and its residents cannot be overstated. The grim conditions of the time, combined with the relentless spread of the plague, resulted in a significant loss of life and a lasting legacy of haunted tales and ghostly apparitions. Places like Mary King's Close bear witness to the suffering endured by the people of Edinburgh during these times, making them haunting reminders of a bygone era and it's Mary King's Close where our latest episode takes place. Mary King's Close, located in the heart of Edinburgh's historic old town, is a narrow and winding underground street with a rich and fascinating history. The Close was originally a bustling and densely populated street in the 17th century characterised by tall tenement buildings that provided accommodation and shops for the city's residents. Named after Mary King, a prominent merchant who lived in the close, it was a vibrant hub of activity, with various businesses and homes tightly packed together. However, Mary King's close also has a darker history, associated with the outbreak of the bubonic plague in the 17th century. During this dark period, the close was forcibly sealed off from the rest of the city in a desperate attempt to quarantine and contain the relentless spread of the disease. Tragically, 
it's believed that many residents were left to perish within the closest narrow confines, fostering a profound sense of isolation and fear that has since contributed to its haunting reputation. In the years that followed, Mary King's Close underwent a gradual entombment beneath the layers of urban development. It was nearly forgotten, its secrets concealed beneath the bustling streets above. The journey to rediscover Mary King's Close began in the late 20th century, when in 2003 the City of Edinburgh Council unveiled the real Mary King's Close attraction, permitting eager visitors to delve into the subterranean depths and immerse themselves in its rich history. As the hushed corridors echoed with the footsteps of intrigued explorers, the Close began to yield not only its historical tales, but also reports of mysterious and unexplained occurrences, adding an eerie layer to its already captivating narrative. During 17th century Edinburgh, Mary King stood as a formidable figure. Widowed tragically after the loss of her husband in a fatal accident, she found herself thrust into the complexities of the socio-economic landscape of the era. In a time when opportunities for women in business were limited, Mary King defied the odds. Her shrewd business skills not only allowed her to survive, but also to thrive, securing her a coveted place among the city's elite. Yet, Mary King's story took a mysterious turn as it intertwines with the enigmatic alleyway that now bears her name. Many believe her spirit, forged in life's trials, truly never departed from the close she knew so well. Visitors to Mary King's Close have reported eerie encounters with a spectral figure dressed entirely in black. The mysterious apparition roams the underground vaults and long abandoned shops. Could the shadowy figure be the very spirit that's left its ghostly imprint in the form of spectral photographs captured within the close. Perhaps the best known story associated with the close is the heartbreaking tale of Annie. We Annie is believed to have resided in Mary King's Close alongside her family during the 17th century, a period when the dreadful plague had once again descended upon the city. Annie, it's believed, succumbed to the relentless grip of the plague that had ravaged Edinburgh during the time. As awful a fate as that no doubt was, it was made worse by the report that wee Annie had been left to die by her family, who'd fled when it became clear that Annie's fate was sealed. Isolated from the outside world due to the strict quarantine measures imposed on the close, Annie's final days must have been incredibly poignant and tragic. In the absence of parental comfort and companionship, she would have endured her ordeal alone, trapped within the confines of her sealed home, surrounded by the cold and unforgiving walls that would hold the secrets of her untimely passing. Psychics and paranormal investigators who ventured into Mary King's Close have claimed to sense the presence of Annie. In 1992, a Japanese TV crew visited to film a documentary about the paranormal and they brought with them renowned psychic Aiko Gibbo to try and connect with the spirits still trapped in the close. 
upon reaching a particular room near the closest end, Gibbo was overtaken by an overwhelming sense of sickness, hunger and bone-chilling cold that initially deterred her from entering. However, she later mustered the courage to step inside after sensing an eerie invitation from the ghostly presence of Annie. According to Aiko, Annie told her she'd been abandoned by her family and had lost her cherished doll. Depending on the version of the story, Annie either gently tugged at the psychic's hand or reached out and grasped her leg. Moved by this encounter and inspired by the Japanese tradition of honouring the deceased, Gibo ventured to the Royal Mile and returned with a tartan Barbie doll. This heartfelt gesture marked the beginning of a tradition where visitors to Annie's room have left similar gifts, paying homage to the spirit of the young girl who once dwelled in these haunting chambers. Her ghost is said to be particularly active, often communicating with the living in subtle yet poignant ways. Perhaps the most touching aspect of Annie's presence is her affinity for children. Visitors have reported leaving toys and trinkets for her within the close, and some claim that these offerings mysteriously move or disappear suggesting that Annie continues her love for toys, even in death. Numerous sightings and experiences involving Annie have been reported over the years. Tourists and staff at the Real Mary King's close attraction often recount encounters with a spectral presence resembling a young girl, often appearing as a shadowy figure or a fleeting glimpse in the periphery vision. These sightings, coupled with the unexplained movements of toys left as offerings, have solidified Annie's status as one of the most compelling and enduring ghosts within the haunted depths of Mary King's Close, ensuring her place in the lore of Edinburgh's ghostly history. The last outbreak of the plague happened in 1645. This outbreak was part of a larger epidemic that affected various parts of Scotland during the mid-17th century. Mary King's Close bore a heavy brunt during the plague outbreak, prompting the City Council to take extreme measures of sealing off the close and relocating the remaining uninfected residents to other parts of Edinburgh. Originally intended as a permanent solution, the closure of the close was challenged by the pressing reality of Edinburgh's overcrowded living conditions. The mounting pressure led the council to reverse its decision in 1685, reopening the close to residents and visitors alike. Amid the restored activity, an opportunity arose when one of the relatively well-preserved properties in the close became available for purchase. A few months after the close reopened, a lawyer from Musselburgh by the name of Thomas Coltheart seized the opportunity, relocating his wife and young family to this once quarantined but now revived part of the city. The Coltharts brought with them their maidservant who'd heard from neighbours in Musselburgh that the close was extremely haunted. On hearing this, she warned her employers of what she'd heard, pleading with them not to make the move but they would hear of no such nonsense and told the maid to speak no more of it. The time came to move and the maid came along with them, but quickly decided she couldn't stay in the property and soon resigned her position, leaving the cold hearts to fend for themselves. 
as is often the case with hauntings, initially the family were delighted with their new home. Not only was it spacious, but it was bought for what they felt was a bargain of a price, and they'd soon find out why. One afternoon, Mr Coltart had taken unwell and retired to his bed to rest. Mrs Coltart came through to comfort him and read to him from their Bible. While sat on the end of their bed, her attention was drawn to something to her side. Thinking it was one of their children, she turned to speak to shush them for interrupting her reading. What she saw wasn't one of her children. On turning round, she was horrified to see the disembodied head of an old man with a grey beard floating in the middle of the room, his glaring eyes fixed directly on her. On seeing this terrible spectre, her nerves gave in and she collapsed in a faint, coming round some time after the apparition had dissipated. Mr Coulter, being a man of reason, dismissed his wife's experience and told her to speak no more of it. His scepticism would undergo a profound transformation later that evening. After the couple had retired and extinguished the candles, a spine-chilling apparition, the very same ghastly head, materialised in the encompassing darkness. With his reason leaving him, he rose from his bed and said a prayer, hoping to rid themselves of the terrible apparition. It didn't work. For over an hour, the couple prayed and pleaded, their voices filled with desperation. Yet the relentless phantom lingered near the fireplace. Soon, an even more harrowing sight unfolded before them. Another apparition materialised, this time that of a ghostly child suspended about a foot above the floor. Then, yet another spectre emerged, a disembodied arm. To their astonishment, it appeared as if the spectral limb sought to make another worldly gesture, to extend itself as if an eerie attempt to shake hands with Mr Coltart. This assemblage of apparitions was soon to be joined by a phantom dog who appeared in the middle of the room, then made itself comfortable on the chair at the far end of the room. Then the apparition of a cat appeared and promptly sat on the bed. Nothing the couple could do would rid them of this collection of spectral curiosities until a loud groan echoed through the property bringing about the end to their terrifying evening. In the aftermath of this night, Mrs Coltart took the children and moved out, but Mr Coltart was not for moving and spent the rest of his days living in the house, apparently without repeat of that horrifying evening. However, the tale of Mr Coltart doesn't end there, and it takes on an even spookier twist for legend has it that he continued to linger in the haunted property for another decade. It said on the fateful night of his passing something truly chilling occurred. A close acquaintance residing in Trinent to the east of Edinburgh reported witnessing his misty spectral figure appearing to him at night, at the precise moment of his death. As we step back into the daylight of Edinburgh's Royal Mile, we carry with us not only the stories of these restless spirits, but also the echoes of their lives and the secrets of Mary King's Close. 
the mysterious, the eerie and the unexplained continue to intertwine within these ancient walls, beckoning those who dare to explore its depths to consider the thin veil that separates the living from the beyond. Whether you believe in ghosts or not, Mary King's Close will forever be a place where the past refuses to rest in peace. <laughs>